on this episode of the Taloncast, Yoda, the Goonies, and Tales of Brave Ulysses as he journeys through your ATS. Howdy! Welcome to the Taloncast, where we talk about the new world of talent acquisition and recruitment marketing. I, am always, am your host, James Ellis. Uh, I was bitten by a radioactive recruiter once and discovered I had strange new powers, and thus, we are here. This podcast is not sponsored or supported by anyone whatsoever. We have instituted a 100% no-pitching rule. We're here to learn, teach, and discuss so we can all become better recruitment marketing thinkers. I'm not here to sell you anything. If you like this podcast, and I really hope you do, tell the world on LinkedIn and Twitter and any other place you're professionally social. I'm pretty sure your friends don't care. Uh, You can always review us on iTunes or Google Play. We really appreciate that. Uh, As always, if you have comments, questions, topic suggestions, if you would like me to discuss uh, your particular problem, if you know someone I should interview, reach out to me on the Twitter. It's The War for Talent. That's right, The War for Talent. Or just go to our website. We're at thetalentcast.com, thetalentcast.com. Otherwise, here we go. Hope you enjoy. So, uh, welcome to the Talent Cast. I have as my guest here. It's our second guest, our second guest of all time. Uh, the first one worked out so well. We're doing it again. This is Sarah Yang. She is the talent content marketing manager at a little company called Workday. Um, we've talked a couple of times about content. I think we're very simpatico. So I thought she would be a wonderful person to bring on. Um, you know, in terms of bio, she's kind of smart. She's written and produced a whole bunch of sitcoms and short com- uh, short films, and she's done a lot of stuff. She knows her content. So with that, hey, Sarah. Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad it's Friday. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. I don't think we recorded on a Friday yet. So this is, yeah, big thumbs up. Oh, wow. I feel so special. <laughs> well, not just yet. Um, okay, so we'll start off this way. Uh, we're going to talk about creativity today, but we'll start. Is creativity and innovation, they're the same thing, right? Well, that's a good question. Um, actually, it's a misnomer. People do think of creativity and innovation as the same thing, but the way that I would define creativity is the ability to generate new ideas versus innovation is the implementation of a creative idea. So yeah, creativity is coming up with the idea and then innovations actually putting meat to the bones. So in a recruiting content space, which you and I both kind of live, um, I definitely know that coming up with new ideas seems to be a bit like hitting your head against the wall, that you feel like uh, you gotta come up with something genius and amazing to really describe why people should work at this company. And is that really what we should be focusing on? Well, uh, I think it all boils back down to just like how we're biologically wired. We're all wired for story. So in anything, marketing, recruiting, you're putting people, when you put people into the hero's journey um, of them accomplishing uh, a goal or um, overcoming an obstacle, that's what's going to draw people in. So I feel like with recruiting, with any type of marketing, that's a key component of successful um, a successful uh, content is it's it's the story. It all boils back down to the story. So when you say story, I think story, much like the word strategy or content, or uh, you know, there's a lot of words that mean everything and nothing. 
how do you see the word story or how do you use when you're talking about story? What do you mean? Um, it really, for me, I look at story as the hero's journey. Um, uh, it boils down to putting a protagonist um, facing a call, um, crossing a threshold, facing tests and challenges, and then um, coming into the unknown, facing their fears, and then overcoming and coming to a place of resurrection. That's like the overall overarching um, definition to me of story. It's that journey um, of uh, realizing there's an obstacle that we have to face and either it's a tragedy where we don't overcome that obstacle or it's a, it's a comedy or um, it's a hero's journey where you actually overcome. And, and that makes a lot of sense if we're talking about Luke Skywalker or talking about uh, whatever the main character of the Devil Wars Prada, whatever her name was. Um, but we're talking about recruiting here. Right. Where's the, who's the hero? What's the journey? What's, how, what does that look like? Well, it's funny because right before I got onto this uh, call, I'm, I'm helping with the job description. And the way that I'm putting it together, I mean, it's as dry as job descriptions can be, I am forming it in that um, narrative of really? I'm yeah I'm putting that person who's reading the job wreck in the shoes of a protagonist a hero facing a challenge and are they going to rise to that challenge and um, I, I know that it sounds funny but I just I feel like that's what's going to draw people in so you know in the actual you know paragraph to introduce the role, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, okay, we're, we're looking for a trendsetter. We're looking for someone who's going to set the standard and establish a new program. Um, that's calling, that's, you know, a hero's call, calling them and saying, this is the challenge that you need to face. This is what's going to be required of you. And how are you going to face that challenge? Hmm. So, yeah, I know. It, it, that's just how my brain works. And, um, I, you know, hopefully well, I don't. Clear, <laughs> yeah, go yeah ahead. clearly you're broken. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's you're not I, the lawyers are on the phone. They're telling you you can't do that. Job descriptions have to be boring. It's a it's a law. It's a federal thing. I'm told. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm I can't wait to uh, run it by the hiring manager and see how they react. But I think I mean I explained that's just I that's what drew me into this role. Um, I read the job description written by my manager Bethany Tuzolino, and um, she she put in there. I'm looking for a creative storyteller. And she presented it in a way where it's like, you know, are you going to rise to the occasion? This is a challenge. This is a new role. Um, you are going to be the one who will establish a brand new program. Um, are you? Yeah. And it was the hero's call. And I mm -hmm. responded. And I'm glad I did. <laughs> so when it's structured like that, do different people respond to different kinds of hero's journeys? So, for example, in what you're talking about, this is someone who's starting a thing, inventing a thing versus a job where you're managing a thing or you're inventing a thing or you're and there are probably a couple of things where I'm thinking of the archetypes um, but what other kinds of ways would you position that story for different kinds of jobs that's a great uh, well you you hit it right on uh, the noggin there um, it is like the seven story archetypes like you would form it differently for different roles uh, there's the rags to riches, overcoming the monster, the quest. So I think for this one, I I'm kind of I'm formulate, forming it as um, overcoming the monster because this is this is definitely like a huge uh, undertaking for this particular role of sure. establishing a, you know a brand new program and managing. Um, uh, gosh, I, I should just 
<laughs> pull it up. I, uh, but it's, <laughs> but uh, and I cannot read it because that would not be a nope. good idea for me. But nope, um, not yet. Not well, yet. It'll be public soon. Yes, but you know, ultimately, we're framing it as workday is a best place to work, and how are you going to contribute to making that a reality? Um, we need someone who's going to be forward-thinking and implement an enterprise-wide solution. So that's you know that's a huge undertaking. So you know you're you're facing the monster of implementing this entire um, enterprise-wide solution. So yep. So when I talk about architects, it's funny you talk about something different. I think of him in turn as uh, the the king, the magician, the rebel, the magi or the sage, the princess. You know these are the character archetypes, and so. I know a lot of work has been done from a brand standpoint to say, you know, and they always use um, Harley Davidson as the rebel archetype, right? That, oh, that's, yeah. that's who they are. And that uh, IBM is the king archetype, they're the best of the best, and they're there to provide information and be and, 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 and they're leading the direction, uh, whereas some are more about upstarts and some are more, you know, they're very different ways of doing it. You're talking about something completely different. So why don't you talk a little bit about story archetypes because I'm fascinated. Oh great, yeah, and I'm I'm fascinated as well. I actually haven't um, heard the character archetypes tied into marketing. That's that's fascinating. Um, this one is actually from the Seven Basic Plots by Christopher Booker, but he uh, states that there's seven story uh, classic story archetypes. The first one being rags to riches. I guess you can see it as the story Annie, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Overcoming the monster. Uh, we could look at that as Luke Skywalker, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or that's more like facing his demons. But uh, the quest, huh? I, mm. I look uh, maybe Goonies. I'm thinking Goonies. <laughs> I love that movie. I gotta tie that in somehow. Oh my goodness. Okay. See, I'm 44. That movie's for me. I don't. <laughs> is that really for you? No, yeah, I, I I'm a lot uh, older than I look, thankfully. So. Uh, well. <laughs> but yes, I Goonies was my favorite movie. That's On that note, what was your favorite movie growing up? Uh, growing up, Star Wars probably. I mean, you kind of couldn't choose the, anything but that. It was it was Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. There was not to get too personal, but for most of my childhood, um, money was a function of it was two dollars to buy an action figure. So action figures were my currency. Everything was broken down to how many action figures would that be. <laughs> How many, my allowance was, how many action figures can I buy with that? Or how many weeks to get an action figure? Oh, wow. That's how obsessed. Yeah, I'm a weirdo. No, you're not. No, that's great. I love it. And you're, I'm guessing you're into comic books as well, right? Uh, a long time ago. <laughs> sure. As in last week. Oh. <laughs> Wow, this this took a turn. Okay, okay, I'll get back oh on track. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> All um, right. So let's talk about the power of story. So... You know, when you talk about these archetypes, the presumption of an archetype is that these are deep set, see, I'm sorry, deep seated ideas that you are plucking in somebody else's brain. So when you talk about the monster or you're talking about the rags to riches, this is something everyone understands regardless of where they're from or when they were born. Mm -hmm. This is just part of human nature in whatever weird way our brains are wired. So how do you leverage those things? To get people to understand your employer brand, to get people to understand why they should work for you. Um, because people are the ones that we're recruiting and um, they're the ones who are going to do the work. And um, you, when you're dealing with people, you really are dealing with stories. And um, uh, Matt Hines of Hines Marketing talks about how 
you always bring everything back to stories because it's always about people and great great content is emotive. If you're pulling at the you know heartstrings of somebody, if you're you know. Uh, people are interested in the emotional tissue between us. So when you're able to uh, really present a, a story and content that's emotive and um, and visceral, that's actually what creates the differentiation and the preference for brands. Hmm. So it really is like recruiting, marketing, branding, it all ties down to how can you tug at the heartstrings because that's ultimately what, what's going to drive us. Um, recently at Content Marketing World where, where he spoke, I heard a great talk about how um, neuro, neuro, uh, neurologically um, when we are, um, we, we respond first emotionally and that actually intrigues us and gets us to investigate. So when you actually pull someone in um, through emotive visceral stories, then they'll pay attention to what you have to say. Otherwise, mm. you're going to lose them. So you got, you got you know, a few seconds to grab their attention. And it, the best way is through um, emotive storytelling. Wow. So have you seen examples either in recruiting or in out of recruiting where the story is really leveraged as a marketing concept, that it's the, the, the structure upon which everything else is based? That's a great question. Well, I think... People are tap dancing around it at content marketing world, um, but you know that's that's why I'm here. I I'm I'm a filmmaker now at a you know enterprise software company mm-hmm. uh, establishing count, content marketing here, and you know Bethany knew what she was getting into. Uh, I'm a storyteller. She wrote it, creative storyteller, and that's what I want to do. But to answer your question. I haven't really seen it done effectively, but I hope that will change. Okay, so let's take a pivot here. So how can anybody else leverage story in their recruitment marketing? Beyond rewriting a job description for a hero's journey, is it something you can use to come up with better ideas? Is it something you can use to communicate internally to your company to kind of get buy-in? How, what are some other ways you can leverage storytelling creativity? So um, in... Every, everything that I'm working on right now, so right now um, working on telling a cohesive story, you know, tying in perceptions and personas um, and our strategy, uh, our framework, our um, employee value proposition. Mm-hmm. And um, in tying those three elements together, it is like um, your persona is your protagonist. Um, your uh, the perception is really the challenge when we when we're fa- we look at the personas what are the challenges that um, that persona is facing in wanting to come to us as an employee um, and then tying in our strategy our framework our um, employee value proposition mm-hmm. that's prevent you know proposing the solution um, the the way to overcome those challenges. Yeah. So that's one way, you know, in a macro level, how we're tying in story. Um, um, and also just even creating uh, um, the content at each um, stage of the funnel. Um, you're, you're taking them on different, you're leading them into a further stage of the journey. And, mm. and how you do that is transitioning them through, you know, through the, um, the overarching um, stages of the journey. So if you connect to the funnel, is it one long journey through the funnel or is each stage of the funnel its own journey? Mm, that's, a, 
that's fascinating you asked that I, I to be honest I've been thinking of it in the framework of it you know being one overarching story story um, through the the entire funnel but um, but uh, you make a good point it could be you know it could be both really because each each time they have to move on to the next challenge so yeah because yeah. in my mind you know there are some audiences they see the job description they go yeah that's for me and they hit apply in that case, that job description that you're writing should be an entire hero's journey. Mm-hmm. However, there are plenty of people for whom they go, okay, that's a good start. Now I'm going to do my research. Now I'm going to ask some questions. Now I'm going to go get some feedback. Now I'm going to get some validation. That can be a journey as well. So how do you reconcile the journey of the micro and the macro when you have two very different audiences and different processes going through the funnel and getting them to have the same goal, which is apply? But if they take two different paths, can they have the same journey? Are they different journeys? or? Am I asking a dumb question? No, this is a great question. I, the way that I would break it down, so I've been mapping out um, our content um, strategy for next year, and it is like I, I broke it down to you know our target audiences. So you know I I, I probably shouldn't say who they are, but um, nope. <laughs> but um, for each target audience, I'm mapping out. Um, where they are in, you know, if they're if they're passive candidate, it's just outreach. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what are the three um, content pieces that we need to move them on? At least a system at the question that's relevant to that mm-hmm. stage in the journey. So, you know, at the top of the funnel, they're most likely asking, "Who are you?" <laughs> so, mm-hmm. how can we tie the th- you know three content pieces? So, it's more of us assisting, almost like I guess a Yoda uh, in the Skywalker analogy um, of just giving them killing what me. you are killing. <laughs> you said that you're a fan. I, well, wait, how dare you remember? <laughs> yeah, but I, that's how I see it. Like we're 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 gonna be that sage. Um, in the journey, the mentor, um, uh, the master, to give them exactly what they need to to you know prompt them, hopefully, to move on to the next stage. So, when you're developing these stories, you're saying you're tying them to personas, and I know that I've done this enough to say that when you say personas, it's another word that says it can mean oh, it's women between the ages of twenty and twenty-two who like soccer. Right. It could also be psychographic and political and geographic and um, buyer uh, tendencies or motivation states or how deep do you have to get to build a persona that can actually support a connection to a story that that makes sense um, it that's a great question I think the more we can get into yeah the underlying motivations that's that's gonna really be what what drives them like that's um, because my background is filmmaking, you know, and screenwriting, we, we would have to map out, you know, even before we began the story, who is our main character? What drives them? What motivates them? What, what, what sickens them? What, what excites them? Like, we had to really break down the psychology um, of the protagonist, um, the mm. main characters. So I think it's the same thing. Like the more you can get your persona into that kind of like, what are the, yeah, what, what really makes, keeps them up at night? What, what re- will get them up in the morning? Um, that's the best, you know, if we have that in the persona, we're going to, you know, half the work is done, you know, then you just tie the story into the journey. What, you know, keep tie mm. it back to what motivates them and, you know, you'll draw them to the next stage. 
So, in your, if you're building a story, do you and, and you're and I like the idea of focusing on the motivation because I think that's what drives people to mm-hmm. click a button or not click a button or read a thing or not read a thing. Yep. How do you know when you've nailed the motivation and that the story you're telling connects to that? How do you you know where's the click? Where's the oh yeah after, that that works? Uh, honestly, or is there such a thing? Trial and error, like that's the thing, like. Uh, with all of this, I feel like iteration is is just a part of the nature of the beast. Like mm. that, you're gonna iterate and see what works. You're gonna look back in the metrics and see, oh wow, that really you know caused them to um, go to the next stage of the funnel, and what didn't. And it's a lot of iteration. But I think there are things that you can um, you know map back to and just say, okay, like I they're they're a key driver. You know, okay, uh, family, you know, so what really, you know, as we map out the content, like there's, if one of our, you know, our blogs tied tremendously into, I don't know, like a limited PTO or, you know, work-life mm-hmm. balance, uh, which that's a debatable term these days, but, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> but, you know, knowing that that's their key driver, that's their key motivator, then we know like that's that's going to be um, what pulls that target audience into the next stage. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I know that you are very passionate about using story and storytelling to generate new ideas. Mm-hmm. So do you do that in your work right now? Is there a process where you're bringing your talent community or talent team together and say, okay, we're going to solve a problem or we're going to come up with a new idea or we're going to use storytelling to do our work internally? Yeah, actually, um, we I'm trying to think about what I can share. No, no, um, I completely understand. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so outside of uh before i I joined workday i actually taught a creativity workshop and seminar uh with a good friend of mine david nyquist who's a painter and and muralist and um actually just did these exercises with students at hayward high on wednesday um and they're extremely effective but they're actually um i'm actually going to take my team through uh these exercises but it's just a way to activate activate the right side of the brain because all of us you know we all have a right side of our brain so everyone's creative even though people you know have the assumption that they're not creative Mm -hmm. but everyone's creative um i I mean a short note on that if if you watch sir ken robinson's uh talk he talks about Mm -hmm. how they tested 1500 kindergartners and uh, to see, you know, how they score in divergent thinking, which is the, you know, foundation of creativity. And um, over 98% of them scored at genius level. So we're all creative. It's just a matter of um, unlearning um, yeah. what we've been taught as like there's only one answer and it's in the back of the book. Yeah. But um, anyway, I died. I... <laughs> no, no, no. That's a great digression. I tell a lot of my team, I say things like, you know, you know, for the last 16 years, you've been lied to that someone has an answer. Mm-hmm. The world doesn't have an answer. It's yep. whatever you can defend or prove or believe in or support. It's that's the right answer. There's exactly. no teacher's edition. That's exactly right, which is why I believe so much in iteration and just trial and error. And mm-hmm. because, you know, what worked five years ago and was a best practice today can be completely irrelevant. 
and which it is like I feel like be especially with technology changing so quickly like yeah maybe you know infographics were the thing you know three years mm-hmm. ago but now it's not uh, and you just got to keep evolving to um, take the form that's going to be effective yeah. but um, I, I'll just give an example of one exercise that uh, we did uh, in our in our seminar that really works it's uh, draw the color yellow hmm. and describe the color yellow without using like if you, to somebody who's never seen it before yeah um, it just gets them out of the typical mindset of like okay this the whole right or wrong exactly what you said there's a million ways you could describe the color ye- yellow you could there's a million ways you could draw it um, there's no right or wrong um, it's yeah. just what's going to communicate it effectively for you and to another person so how does one become better at telling stories and using storytelling to solve problems and inject communication and problem solving into a business environment? Hmm. Um, I think I'm learning that right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, when you think about the hero's journey, I don't, maybe it's just how I'm wired, but I see story in everything. Like and it it is the fact that we're biologically wired for story. It's um, it acts it activates our brains in ways that you know other things can't. Like facts and figures will not like be remembered. And so like how is it relevant to the business world in every single possible way? How many <laughs> presentations have we all sat through? And you know they have their bullet point slides. They give you a bunch of statistics, and like five minutes later after the meeting, you have no idea. You, you totally mm-hmm. forget it. Yeah. So, like, what's going to make it memorable? What's going to make it sticky? Um, it's always going to be story. And so, like, it, it is 100% relevant. Anybody who ever presents, anyone who ever tries to communicate an idea or a process, you know, or framework has to tell it in the, con- you know, in the context of story. Or else, it, yeah, it's forgettable. It, it will yeah. not make an impact. Yeah, Tom Peters, who is on my personal Mount Rushmore, uh, he talks about he interviewed with um, CEOs and they say what's the thing that everybody needs to have and skills they need to have as they add to the workforce and grow their, their 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 careers and they said oh you need to be creative you need to be innovative and then he turns around and he goes to the deans of all the lead business schools and say do you teach creativity do you teach innovation or storytelling they'll go no that stuff's the hard part yeah and it's some of the most vital and that, that's totally why you know i've seen this need um in the business world it's become especially i've been in tech now for five years and it it unfortunately has become very left brain and they're missing such an essential component which you know they think it's you know mushy and you know there's nothing there's no teeth to it but what they don't realize it's it is the number one skill of the 21st century like you look at who's successful in our day and age it's the steve jobs it's the people who come up with the best ideas who can think divergently think differently and come up with something that's never been done before and that is what defines success in the 21st century and it will be even more so as technology advances so um it it is everything right now yeah because it's the one thing machine can't do exactly that's exactly right and like you know, just uh, looking back in history, we came from like, you know, the 19th century, uh, our agricultural age. And, you know, it's about who had the biggest farm. And then the 20th century, the industrial age, who had the biggest factory. But today, yeah, as, as long as you have a good idea, 
Like, how many stories have we heard of, you know, people becoming YouTube stars or, you know, like, it's such a low barrier of entry. If you have a great idea, you can express it. And even this uh, TriCast that we're using right now, if you have a great idea, you can explode. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need all that, you know. Uh, what we used to, you know, with factories, it's just like he had a million dollars to start it up. No, mm-hmm. that's not there anymore. So last question before we kind of close things up here. And I, I like that you brought up this concept of ideas. I think a lot of people think when they say, I need to come up with a new idea, they're coming up with a huge idea, a massive idea, an Uber and Netflix, a, you know, massive, massive life-changing idea. Do you need to come up with ideas so big to make an impact to create, you know, uh, some value, or do you? Is there a, a level of, of idea to which you go, yeah, that's good enough. That's enough to actually drive something forward. Mm, that's a great question. I think it. it everything starts small. Um, I think it, you're building, and as long as it has a place of influence and it's, you know, communicating. Um, effectively from one group to another it's it's successful so I I wouldn't narrowly define it yeah as an uber or Netflix um, uh, you know we're seeing uh, yeah it's interesting so on Wednesday I taught to an entrepreneurial class in Hayward and as I was there I I really realized there's a revolution happening um, in education and that needs to happen because what's the educational system was built on like the industrial age. It was an assembly mm-hmm. line. It was like people just going through an hour of math, you know, science, English. But today, it's the entrepreneurs that are actually going to drive innovation and be successful in this day and age. They're going to be the ones who are not like anything but an assembly line thinker. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, to answer your question, like, you know, I heard some of the ideas of this entrepreneurial class of like, you know, 15 to 17 year olds, and they're brilliant. And they're actually starting to make money um, on hmm. their ideas, you know, and that's what the class is all about. And, um, and you got to start somewhere. And I in my mind, they're extremely successful because they're, they're, they have an idea and they're implementing it. And, and it's, it's making, you know, they're able to sustain it. So yeah, that's, that's success to me. So from a storytelling standpoint, what are some resources you would recommend for people who are interested in learning more? Oh, good question. Ah, uh, I think, uh, is it Joseph Miller? I, I'm blanking. It's yep. a Friday. Think, yeah. Oh, Joseph, no, uh, Joseph uh, Campbell. Campbell. Thank you. Joseph Campbell. Yeah. Um, that is brilliant. Um, uh, well, this is kind of uh, sort of related, but there's a book called Falling Upward by Richard Rohr. Um, that I read recently, and it was it's uh, all based on uh, the Odyssey and how that's mm. the first half of life, and then there's a second half of life, and it's a, it's all about the voyage and return. But the Odyssey is pretty much the quintessential hero's journey. Like that, <laughs> I think you know if you want to tie it back to where it all started, I think that's what it did. You know, <laughs> um, so that and let me see. What, what else would I, I do? I do like the concept that maybe when you're writing recruiting content, you're going, how do I beat the Odyssey? <laughs> I love it. Set the bar high. <laughs> yeah. No, totally. Um, I think the other you know, books I would recommend are more having to do with creativity, but um, The Artist's Way. 
mm. um, by Julia Cameron. I love, um, and um, I think it, it does tie in like the narrative. Her second book, um, I'm I, I, I'm blanking on the name of it, but um, it's all about um, developing your personal narrative. Oh, mm. the Vein of Gold by Julia Cameron. Um, I would say that is an excellent uh, resource for storytelling, especially in, until you know and own your own story. It's hard mm. to know and own anyone else's story. So oh, yeah. I start with yourself. And um, yeah, if, if, if I had one book to recommend, it would be that The Vein of Gold by Julia wow. Cameron. Well, there you go. So as we close up, how can people find you online or learn more about you? Sure. Uh, they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, uh, Sarah with an H and then Y-A-N-G. Uh, I do have a WordPress, but it's uh, severely, I mean, I, I've, it's been severely neglected, but hopefully uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm planning to resurrect it soon. So um, there's a hero's journey for it right there. It's a resurrection <laughs> of a character. Um, so yeah, hopefully... <laughs> I'll get that up. But for now, LinkedIn. Yep, Sarah Yang uh, with Workday. Fantastic. All right, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us for this half hour. Uh, this has been fantastic. So uh, have a great day, and hopefully we'll talk more soon. All right, sounds good, James. Thanks so much. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.